on behalf of Faith Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Omaha Reformed Church, and St. John's Reformed Church here in Lincoln, it's my privilege to welcome each of you to this Good Friday worship service this evening. Uh, let's begin by standing, and we'll hear our call to worship. And while you're doing that, you might note uh, uh, Pastor Roy Miller will be participating in the service by reading the, doing the first scripture reading as well as the congregational prayer. Uh, hear these words from uh, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me, the pangs of Sheol lay hold of me. I suffer distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray. Deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your soul. To return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. As we think this evening upon the price paid for the redemption of God's people. uh, He rescued us. He delivered us uh, from that which we could not deliver ourselves. Brothers, sisters in Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Grace unto you and peace from him who is, was, and is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, We'll conclude by praying the Lord's Prayer in unison. Gracious God, uh, every Sunday we gather uh, to remember you, to remember what you have done. We do the same this evening on Good Friday. Uh, that we might know you and and not forget what you have done for us, that we owe a debt we cannot pay, that we owe our lives, our devotion, our worship, our praise to you alone uh, for all that you have done. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. you can be seated, and we will recite the words of the Nicene Creed together, 
uh, either on the three forms booklet on page 13, or I think it's in the after the songs in the hymnal. I don't know the page number right off though. Well, hopefully you can find the three forms. So there it is. Page 846 in the about the middle of the hymnal. So as we recite the words of the Nicene Creed together, we acknowledge that we as individual congregations, families, persons, uh, believe these things to be true. But that's not the real benefit of, of our reciting a, a creed like this. The real benefit uh, is that this attests to our unity and the unity of believers around the world and throughout history in affirming the faith that has been once for all delivered to the saints. So let us recite these words together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our first song will be number 248. 248, Ah, Holy Jesus, how hast thou offended? Number 248.
Thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we're reading from Isaiah chapter 52, um, verse, where are we? verse 13 through the conclusion of chapter 53. And follow along as best you can in whatever translation you've got. I've got the New King James. Let's hear God's inerrant and infallible word. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high, just as many were astonished at you. So his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness when we see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's go together before him in prayer. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks for what our Savior has done for us. We give you thanks for how it's recorded 700 years before he was born as well as the records that we have in the New Testament shortly after his ascension, not long after his ascension, the preaching of the gospel was beginning to be in written to beginning to be written down. And from those notes and from those preachings, we have the assembling of the four gospels in our New Testament. We thank you for what he has done for us. And we thank you for what you are still doing, not just for us, but in us and through us. We thank you that this evening, as we've assembled here, 
to remember what he has done, we also assemble here from three congregations and yet one church. We might be two different denominations, Lord, but there is but one church of Christ. We just swore to that when we recited the Nicene Creed. There is one holy Catholic church. And our three congregations, our two denominations, are part of that one church. We thank you, Father, for the long fellowship that Faith and St. John's have had. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bless our two congregations as well as Omaha Reformed. Help us to reach the lost in our community. Give us boldness to tell others of what Christ has done and how it's being offered to all mankind if they would but believe. We pray, Father, for those in our congregations who have physical infirmities and some of them cannot be with us tonight because of those infirmities. We want to continue to remember our brother Lee and pray for, as it is in the bulletin, a full restoration, mind and body, and a full restoration to his vocation that you laid upon him, Lord. We pray that you would provide for that. We pray for the search committee for St. John's, that you will help them find the man that you have for them, not just somebody they might like, not just someone who might be pleasant in the pulpit, but the man that has been called by you that this congregation would recognize that call. We pray, Father, for the efforts in both our denominations, in our this classes and in our presbytery, for the establishing of new churches, Churches that hold to the Reformed faith. And it's not really relevant if it's the three forms of unity or the Westminster Standards, for they teach pretty much the same thing. And we give you thanks for that. But glorify Christ in those efforts, we pray. And glorify Him in our assembly together this evening. We ask this of you in His precious name. Amen. Our next song is number 257. 257 in the Trinity hymnal. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted. 257.
would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. John chapter 19 picks up the narrative of our Lord's uh, trial, uh, wherein he was uh, not condemned, (laughs) but acquitted, and yet uh, sentenced to death on behalf of uh, the pleasure of men. Uh, Quite a few verses uh, we will read through verse 42. And we will survey a a part of this in in the course of the message that I will bring to you. So let's read John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Will you you will not speak of speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabbatha. So it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha, there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, I have written. What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. And a jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, in another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. So Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body, and Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came mixed bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. 
So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we assemble on an evening like this, we focus our attention on the reality of the suffering, the anguish, and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know a lot about music, but the two songs that we sang so far are in a minor key. They just have kind of a sad sound to them. And, and I think to a degree, that that's the intent of a Good Friday service. Uh, in fact, you think about the Lord's Supper. What, what does Jesus say we are to remember? When you partake of these things, you shall remember what I have done for you. Well, I think the remembering what Christ has done for us is fully fitting uh, on an evening like this. Good Friday. It's always struck me as a bit of a quandary. Uh, Happy Good Friday. (laughs) doesn't quite hit the bill, does it? And yet I think it is clearly uh, a day on which we reflect. Uh, One of my earliest memories of a Good Friday, I lived in a small town in northwest Iowa. There was like churches on every corner. And they would have um, an ecumenical service from noon until three in the afternoon. The different ministers of the different churches would each be assigned one of the seven sayings of Christ. The words that he spoke from the cross. And uh, as a young child, I thought, well, this, this isn't right. It's not even Sunday. And yet here we're having this long, this long worship service. And yet, as you think about, uh, in our passage, are found three of those seven words that Christ spoke from the cross. And I don't know that you want to say one is more important than another. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Becomes the the first verses of of Psalm 22. And yet it is, uh, of the sayings of Christ, what he says in uh, chapter 19, uh, I think has a huge implication uh, for us and for the Christian church throughout the ages. For what he says is it is finished. And he's not saying that his life is finished. He's not saying that uh, the the sun is going to set, the day is over. No, when he says it is finished, um, I'm a big fan of the editorial comments that we find in Scripture. Uh, It's like the Holy Spirit's prompting the the guy who's putting it together by saying, oh yeah, there's there's this important point, right? Well, just listen to verse 28. After this, This is John 19. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Well, what are all of these things of which Jesus speaks? Every prophecy? Every duty? Every requirement? Everything that had to be done? has now been done. And of course, as that pertains, we're we're a little bit out of order in the order I'm planning to 
to, to pre- preach this passage to you, uh, but certainly uh, that has a bearing on our understanding of how sins are atoned for, how we are made right with God. Well, what I'd like to show you this evening is that Christ declares victory from the cross. Uh, we will see first his unjust condemnation. That's really the first few paragraphs of chapter 19. We'll note, secondly, his prophetic fulfillment. And then thirdly, his final words. Uh, I'm sure you heard that in Pilate's words as he tried to find a legitimate excuse not to put Jesus to death. Uh, Not one time, not two times, not three times, but four times uh, in these first 15 verses or 16 verses, Pilate says various things. I find him not worthy of death. I I, I find him not guilty. Uh, I find him um, to have no fault in verse 4. Well, if he has no fault, if he's not guilty, if he's not deserving of death, that's a pretty big deal. And of course, the, 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 the overarching point here uh, is that Pilate is an earthly judge. He is the one charged with uh, sentencing or, or declaring guilty and, or, or freeing, freeing him. And yet he says multiple times, in fact, even the last time he takes out a pot of water, washes his hand, I am free from this man's guilt. Now take him and crucify him as you will. I mean, it, we get upset today on various uh, court cases or sort, certain decisions. Um, uh, and yet, injustice uh, goes back a long ways. Injustice goes back, uh, really, to the beginning of time. In fact, in Julia and my table devotions, we just read about the unjust judge. He says, I don't fear God. I don't fear man. But lest this lady keep coming back and, and weary me, I'll give her justice. Well, it's not exactly what we want to hear from judges, right? But, but it is that which will testify, that which is recorded as a witness and testimony to the provisions that God has made for us. So the unjust condemnation, I think, is pretty clear. Uh, I have verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend, for whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Behold your king. Uh, The words spoken by the Jewish leaders, appalling. We have no king but who? But Caesar. It's just like Caiaphas saying, it's better for one man to die than the whole nation to perish. Yeah. (laughs) He he said that, and we, we can understand that in a certain way and say, yeah, that's exactly what... Christ did for us. He laid down his life. He put himself in our place. And so it is that Jesus has an unfair trial. He's declared innocent. 
three, four times, and yet is condemned. I want to also point to the prophetic fulfillment that Jesus fulfills. Uh, within our, our scripture reading, uh, there are several. Uh, he says in verse 9, And he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, uh, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. In other places, he, he opened not his mouth. He was led away as a sheep to the slaughter. He was one who had his clothes divided and cast lots for his tunic. Right? We find out after he dies that he breaks no bones. Of course, that was a, profession, a prophecy of Scripture. Um, not his bone, not a bone would be broken. And he would be pierced. And so we have all of these prophecies. In fact, I have a list here of probably 20, uh, 20 fulfillments of what Jesus did and what fulfillments prophetically he did. He was the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. He was born of a virgin. He was the seed of Abraham. He was the descendants of David. He was named before he was born. He was born in Bethlehem. He was the one promised who would come. He would heal the sick. He would give sight to the blind. He would raise the dead. He would heal the sick. He would cast out the evil spirit. And all of those things are smattered throughout the Gospels, all witnessing, all testifying to who he was. Uh, we read in, in Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected. He was wounded for our transgressions. One of my favorite verses from Isaiah 53. He said he, he will see the result of his work and be satisfied. Think about that. Every stripe, every wound, every anguish, every pain, every torment, every, every angle. And he says, I would do it again. It was worth it. It's almost inconceivable. And yet that is the grace of God shown to us as his people. He was rejected. He was hated without cause. A man of sorrow. Uh, really, uh, on the top of your bulletins there, there's a, a quotation from Psalm, 90, Psalm 22. Rather, Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust, dust, dust of death. Did Christ fulfill prophecies almost beyond number? I don't have the exact reference, but I remember seeing an article where there was the claims of some 300 prophecies fulfilled by Christ found in the Old Testament. 300. And of course, why would he do that? What, what was there 
uh, to be gained. Well, he, he would do that, and he would go there, he would accomplish that uh, for us as his people. Now, looking to those verses we read earlier, verse 28, 29, and 30, after this, Jesus, this is what Jesus knows, knowing that all things were now accomplished. At that point, I believe it's safe to say that the work of redemption had been completed. Uh, In fact, as we talk about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we we can look at it in a number of different ways. Uh, By whom did Christ suffer? Pain was inflicted upon him by both enemies and friends alike. By man, whom he came to save. By Satan and his evil horde. By God. In fact, there's a little quotation. I'm not sure who came up with it first, but we are saved from God, by God, for God. Do you get that? We are saved from God. Why? Because our sins deserve temporal and eternal punishment. That's what we deserve for our sins. Temporal and eternal punishment. Who's going to punish those sins? The Almighty. So we are, in fact, saved from God. But how? Well, He would interpose His precious blood. He would be the substitute. As Romans chapter 3 said, He he will be the, the, the judge, the just judge, and He will be the sacrifice. He will be the one who pays the penalty, who endures the wrath of God. Uh, The transaction of grace is probably no more clearly found in Scripture than we find in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For He, God Almighty, made Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin. He made Him to be sin for us. In our place, in our stead that we might become the righteousness of God. A book that was very influential on me was John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And in that book, he two parts, right? Accomplished and Applied. Well, how was redemption accomplished? By the suffering and death of Christ on the cross. And of course, Dr. Murray, I'm not sure he was a doctor, uh, Professor Murray um, raises a question, did God have to save his people? Did he have to send uh, his son to be uh, the, the, the sin bearer? And the answer is no. That was a, a God, an act of God's free love and grace to us as his people. And so one of the phrases that I remember from that book is the consequent absolute necessity of the atonement. Consequent to what? Consequent to God's wanting and willing and deciding to redeem His people from their sins. 
the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ was the only way. It's the only way. And so when Jesus knows that all things are now accomplished, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, He, he looks out for our interest first. And after He has satisfied the demand for justice, only then will He even ask for a drink. I thirst. You suppose He was thirsty earlier? I don't doubt it. How, how, what, what did that say in, in Psalm 22? My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Earlier in Psalm 22 it says, I, I could see my bones. Is that because the flesh was ripped off, perhaps? It's a horrid, horrid, horrid picture that's painted for us on, on, on Good Friday. <clears throat> And what do we hear? That from noon, the sixth hour, until three, the ninth hour, what was there on the earth? Darkness. What could not be seen. And, and, and so I, I probably should have looked it up, but the way I read it and think about it, the seven sayings of Christ on the cross... Some are pretty easy. Some are sequential. That are in the same book we can, or the same gospel, we can put them in order. Uh, the, the first word of Christ on the cross after he's crucified with the, the other criminals, he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Second, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why do you have you forsaken me? Perhaps the word to the, the thief on the cross. One of them blasphemes him. You say, save yourself and us if you are the Christ. And then the other criminal on the cross uh, makes his plea to Jesus. Remember, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What does Jesus say? Assuredly I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. I have number five being tetelestai. It is finished. After that, he says, I thirst. Then there's only one thing left. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And so we have Christ supplying all that we need, instructing us uh, in the, the work of redemption. Uh, what does um, the catechism say is the singular event by which we are saved? That Christ's death on the cross is the payment, is the action, is that which results is what our faith hopes and trusts and relies on. Because that is in fact what we need.
And so it builds up our faith. It builds up our confidence. It assures us that we are His and He is ours. The words that Jesus speaks to us, speaks from the cross, uh, instructs us and teaches us of those things that matter most. And among the things that matter most is the realization that all that we have hinges, pivots, depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon His one sacrifice on the cross. So as as Pastor Miller suggested that we we need to do serious business and serious thinking about these things. Uh, there's nothing, nothing in all this whole wide world that even comes close to being this important or impactful, significant. And it's the only way. Uh, are, are there other Christs? Are there other ways to find peace with God? No, not a one. Not a one. And so when Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does that mean? What does it mean to come to Christ? Well, it certainly means that we do serious thinking and serious business with the words of God and His revealed will. We began the service with Psalm 118 or 160. Uh, I, I cried out to the Lord, Help me, O Lord! If those words are foreign to your lips, uh, you have important things to learn yet. Because you, like everybody else here, are, are sinners guilty? Are sinners, sinners undeserving of favor? You know, why do you suppose you can do a, a word search in the New Testament and, and, and so frequently says, don't think higher of yourself than you ought. What about the tendency is of most people? To think we're pretty good. The converse of that is to think less of others. Oh, at least I'm not like that guy. Which is just as bad. We are all under the judgment of guilt and sin. And all we can do is seek the Lord while He may be found. And on Good Friday, it's good for us to think about that, to meditate upon that, and then to let those thoughts be that which will guide us and drive us. Uh, the things we do, the things we don't do. Uh, in fact, it wasn't that long ago, I, I was talking to a guy who was struggling with um, immoral thoughts. And, and I said, well, the, the only way anyone gets over any addiction is to come to the conviction that that, that, that that's in, in the past. You know, forget those things that are behind. Strive for those things that are ahead. Uh, we will either be like the, the dog that returns to its vomit, our sins, or we will fear God and keep His commandments, which, which is what we've been designed to do, how we've been created to do. And so we don't look to the sides. We keep our focus on the Lord, on His Word, and on, on His grace. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we're grateful to You for today. We thank You for the realization of who You are and who we are and how we have become Your servant. 
how we have become your people. We thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your call is effective, that we are not left to our own devices. We are not left going our own ways, but like the Apostle Paul, we are called by name. We are called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow you. Oh Lord, help us in all that we need to be your people, to seek you, to serve you, to love you, to love each other. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.